Hello and welcome to this special feature-length edition of Up! The Union podcast. I'm Dan Hames and today I'm speaking with Glenn Scrivener. About this time last year, Glenn produced a short film on the subject of Halloween and uh, it kind of went viral online, lots of discussion provoked and we thought we have to get Glenn on the podcast to have a chat about Halloween as it's coming up in just a couple of days. So Glenn, it seems to me that Halloween is a bigger and bigger celebration every year. Um, in my local shop, the Jaffa cakes are full of green oozing filling and there are plastic spiders hanging off false webs. Have you had a pumpkin spiced latte yet from Starbucks? <laughs> no, I have not yet. It's um, That's on the list, I think. It is a sugary dream. No, it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's a hug in a mug. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll look out for that. Um, what I want to ask, Glenn, is what, what is Halloween and how did it become what it is today? Well, where the pumpkin spice lattes come from is a, a very keen marketing department at Starbucks. And so much of what sort of contemporarily is considered to be Halloween is just the invention of, uh, of a whole heap of marketeers. Mm. Uh, and, and you're right. I mean, Halloween is getting bigger and bigger. You know, we're spending about 300 million pounds each year on Halloween. Um, it's, it's become like second only to Christmas now in terms of uh, the money we spend on it in any surveys that families sort of give. Families kind of uh, uh, say that it's the second most uh, looked forward to uh, celebration of the year after Christmas. So it's, it's absolutely become huge. But I, I, I think people are generally surprised to find that it, it does have uh, Christian origins. Um, even the name uh, All Hallows Eve. Uh, Hallows is the, the word for saints. Uh, All Hallows' Eve is All Saints' Eve, the day before, the night before All Saints' Day. And, uh, and really, we can, we can uh, find evidence of, of Christians celebrating All, All Saints' Day right back to the 4th century, actually, um, which, which long predates any evidence that we have for sort of pagan festivals. Um, you hear a lot of stuff said about how Halloween is simply a, uh, an ancient Celtic Druidic festival called Samhain, and that uh, the church has just kind of piggybacked onto the, onto the back of that and just kind of, you know, lightly baptized this essentially pagan thing um, and, and tried to sort of co-opt it for Christian purposes. I, I, I just don't think that history works at all, really. I, I think the New Age want to retell history and want to make up that Halloween was originally pagan and then made Christian. It's exactly the other way around. Um, so All Hallows' Eve was kind of this, this Christian festival where, if you like, you give the forces of evil a, a kind of a, a final fling, a futile final fling before All Saints' Day and the, and the triumph of the light over the darkness and the saints in the Lord Jesus will triumph over, you know, Satan. We will crush Satan under our feet, as Romans 16, you know, says. And, and so it's, it's that kind of thing. We're not so used to it these days because we, we don't, tend to think of the eve and then the day. Um, but in many cultures today and in many cultures down through history, um, the evening before something was, a, was an important preparation time. We get that sense with Christmas Eve, the waiting for the, for the day of, of, of Christmas to come. Um, some churches have that in, in terms of Holy Saturday, the day before 
Easter Sunday, again, you know, Holy Saturday celebrations in many churches, dark, you know, just a single candle lit. And we sort of, we remember Christ in the grave and we remember the valley of the shadow of death. But then Easter Sunday, bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave, he rose again. And it's, it's that kind of thing. And, and so historically, Halloween has been that kind of thing. You know, you, you dress up little kids with pitchforks and, and horns, not because you think the devil looks like that, but because you're mocking the devil. You're scorning him. And, and so I think the, the, the ancient meaning of, of Halloween has always been that final fling for the forces of darkness where you know that All Saints Day is coming, where you know that the light triumphs over the darkness. You know that the risen Jesus triumphs over death and the devil. Um, so that's where it's come from. That doesn't explain everything about what it is today. What it is today has become incredibly um, uh, commercialized. It's become sexualized in some ways. It's become, uh, you know, all, all sorts of other pagan influences have come in on it. And so it's a complicated beast. But I, th I think fundamentally Halloween does belong to the church. And in some senses, I, I think we need to redeem it and reclaim it. Okay, so um, I read this morning a piece by the evangelist J. John. Um, I think it was published last year in the Daily Mirror. And it's his six reasons not to celebrate Halloween. And they're largely reasons to do with the, the danger of taking evil too lightly or perhaps glorifying gore and darkness and so on. Uh, and certainly I grew up uh, going to hallelujah parties instead of Halloween parties. Brilliant. And uh, came into contact with Christians who uh, had a fear, really, that if you dressed up as a witch or read Harry Potter or something like that, that you're putting yourself into a dangerous position. Um, we know about the dangers of the occult and we know that Satan and demons are real. Um, but there seems to be this whole melting pot or, or cauldron, if you like, um, yes, yeah. of, of, of what's available to be sampled at Halloween, right from harmless fun through to things that are genuinely quite sinister. How do you think as Christians we navigate that? I think, I mean, C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters, everyone quotes C.S. Lewis on, on this matter because, you know, being, being a good Anglican, he's kind of, the, he's got the via media on this in, in terms of saying, you know, you don't want to go uh, on, the one, on the one hand and, you know, give too much prominence and preeminence to Satan and his, you know, kingdom, that it is a defeated kingdom, that the darkness is not as powerful as the light. Um, on, the, on the other hand, you don't want to ignore the forces of darkness and, and because they are real they are frightening, uh, they are powerful, and, and I think it's, it's important to sort of hold on to both. Um, I mean, J. John's article is, is a word of caution. Um, you know, he, he doesn't want us to celebrate evil, and that's absolutely right. Um, Halloween should never be the celebration of evil. It should be the scorning of evil. It should be the mocking of evil. It should be the unmasking uh, of evil. Uh, and certainly a lot of modern celebrations of Halloween can simply be a celebration uh, of evil, uh, or they can sometimes be a trivialization um, of evil. And, and it shouldn't be that either. Um, so I, I think those sorts of warning notes uh, are important. Um, but I, I think one of the problems is that we don't hold All Hallows' Eve together with All Hallows' Day. We don't, we don't hold together that sort of dark um, preparation for the triumph of the light, and, and we don't finish on the light. It's, it's, it's a real barometer of our, of our spiritual age that we have All Hallows' Eve and All Hallows' Day. We celebrate the darkness, but we don't have a light. We, don't, we honestly don't think that there is a light that is brighter than all of that darkness. 
Um, so I, I, I just think it's, it's so important if, if you're going to attempt to redeem Halloween in any way, that, that you do it in a really Christian way that says that, yeah, for a moment there's the darkness, but then there's let there be light. You know, for, you know, for a moment there's the cross, but, but bursting forth in glorious day up comes Christ. So, I, you know, if you've had um, a, a past in the occult, in pagan practices, if you've, if you've been a witch in the past, I, I know many Christians who, you know, used to be mixed up in all that sort of stuff, you might well just think, look, I've seen too much of this stuff to ever um, even think about dabbling in it again and, and absolutely, you know, run, run a mile from it. Um, you know, that can, that can be absolutely the right thing to do. Um, but I think there is also a way of engaging these powers of darkness by prayer and the word, by holy mockery, and by holding on to the triumph of Jesus in the midst of it all. So if, if, you, if you are, you know, in, in any way, you know, a, a part of, of Halloween celebrations, make sure you're part of Hallelujah celebrations on, you know, on the Saturday. Make sure that, you know, you hold on to and celebrate that the light really does triumph. I think that's important to hold on to. Mm. So maybe we have some parents listening and they've got children who want to go out trick-or-treating with some friends from school. Uh, knocking doors around the neighborhood. Um, do you have any advice on that issue? Is that okay? Um, I, I, I think Romans 14 is just very, very helpful on this, this sort of matter. You know, I, I, I produced a, a, a video last year about Halloween and, and it got people very interested and in, in sort of asking questions. Oh, you know, given that it has a Christian origin, can I therefore now just with you know, impunity just uh, buy into whatever, you know, is, is going around in the cultural zeitgeist of the day in terms of Halloween, you know, should I do that? And, and I think, you know, Romans, Romans 14 gives us um, a really helpful kind of wisdom on this. You know, obviously, um, Paul's talking about secondary matters that might, uh, you know, impinge on your Christian faith, matters like, you know, special days and drink and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, but, you know, he, he says that he is fully convinced that nothing is unclean in itself. This is Romans 14, verse 14. But he says, if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. And he says, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. So I think Paul is there saying, look, there are, there are Christian liberties and freedoms that we can have. And, and he'll speak in 1 Corinthians about, you know, he'll, he'll, he can even go into the temple and take meat that's been sacrificed to idols, which he in 1 Corinthians says, you know, are really demons. And he's, you know, he says that he has the freedom to do that in Christ, but he's not going to do that if that causes others to stumble. And certainly I'm not, I'm not going to say, like, take part in anything to do with Halloween if that's going to cause you to stumble or if it's going to cause others around you to stumble. But if, if there are ways um, of being involved in trick-or-treating or that kind of thing, I, I think it could be a nice thing, you know, dress dress up Jimmy and Mary as M&Ms and out you go, you know, dress, dress them up as, as pirates, whatever. Um, and out you go, or, or, you know, dress them up in, in whatever else you want to. If, if it is clean for you, it is, it is clean for you. Um, and I think it, it can be a nice thing. I, I think it's a shame that Christians don't like 
the whole going around your community <laughs> and knocking on the doors and getting to know your neighbors and presuming on other people's hospitality. I, I think that's a lovely, very Christian thing, actually. Obviously, it can be turned into pranks and, and you know, nasty things that, that um, you, you want to avoid. But, you know, there, there could be something really, ni really nice about trick-or-treating, getting to know the other kids, the other parents, getting to know your neighborhood. That could, that could be a really good thing to do. But I'd fall back on the Romans 14 thing. If it's unclean for you, then it's unclean. Um, yeah. And just to be clear, you said dress the kids up as M&Ms, not M&M the rapper. That would be quite scary on Halloween. It would. Yeah. Yeah. Don't whatever you do, do that because then they might get into his music. And that, <laughs> that really would be horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Glenn, just finally then, um, is there anything else that you might conceivably want to celebrate on the evening of October the 31st? Uh, anything else on the 31st of October? Well, what is it now? Is it, it's, it's 497 years ago now. Uh, Martin Luther got the Reformation going with the 95 Theses, banging them up on, onto the Wittenberg door. I mean, interestingly, he, he sort of kicks off the Reformation in that way by, by basically saying, I want to have a debate about these 95 things that the, you know, the, the, uh, the Roman Catholic Church is, uh, is getting wrong. Um, on what day does he do that? Well, actually, it, it just goes to show what a big deal All Saints Day was in the culture, that that was the day when, yes, everyone will be going into the church, everyone will be kind of preparing for All Saints Day. Um, and so he used the, the 31st of October really to... Uh, for, for social media purposes, you know, he, he yeah. you know, this was the first Pinterest, you know, pinned it up and, um, and got it going on, on the 31st of October. And, and it's just interesting reflecting on that, that that's kind of the day, you know, that we date sort of the Reformation from, that, that actually all sorts of superstition um, was driven out of the church through the light of the Reformation. And actually, as, as people looked back on what happened with, with, the, with the Reformation, you know, Geneva changed its, its motto from, uh, what was it, I, I, I hope after darkness there might be light, and, and then, you know, changed it to the emphatic, no, after darkness there is the light. Mm. And so, so interesting that that's the effect that the Reformation has on a people. Um, there are a people living in darkness. They're, they're not quite certain that Jesus is for them. They're not quite certain that his victory over the powers of darkness is for them. Um, and suddenly when the Reformation, you know, bursts out and you, and you realize, no, we're saved by Christ alone as a gift of God alone to be received by faith alone. The light is yours. All of a sudden, you're not afraid of the dark anymore. Yeah. All, of, all of a sudden, you're not just wandering around lost in the valley of the shadow, but Christ is yours. Um, and so, so I think on, on October 31st, that's another thing that we, that we can remember, that the, the triumph of the light of Christ means that, yeah, the light wins in the end. And, and so maybe that's another thing that we should be celebrating on, on this day, the triumph of, of the gospel to bring light where before there was darkness. Yeah, I'm into that. Glenn, thank you so much. No worries, no worries. Good talking, Dan. Make sure that you do watch Glenn's video online this year. It's called Halloween Trick or Treat. Uh, in it, you'll get to see how, as well as being an evangelist, Glenn is a poet who can recite his material while walking backwards up church steps and ruffling the hair of a small child. So make sure you do watch that. Thank you for tuning in and have a very happy Christian Halloween. Halloween.